Pushkin. This week's story of the week is AJ Jacobs and his story, Party Like It's 1789, My Weird and Enlightening Month Living Strictly by the Constitution. Back in the late 1990s, I had this tremendous idea. More importantly, I had an expense account. So I invited this group of journalists to an overpriced restaurant in Midtown Manhattan. And these were journalists who wrote first-person stories in which they did incredibly stupid things just for attention. My people. I called it the Stunt Journalist Association. One of the members was A.J. Jacobs, who'd go on to be the most successful stunt journalist of our time. A.J. was brave in ways that, honestly, I couldn't imagine. Like, while I was earning my first Boy Scout badge at age 36, A.J. wrote an article called I Think You're Fat, in which he embraced the practice of radical honesty. In another one, he outsourced his entire life to an assistant in India who read his kids his bedtime stories and argued with his wife for him. So I wasn't at all surprised when A.J. decided to live as strictly as possible according to the rules of the U.S. Constitution. Writing is hard, who's got that kind of time? When you're already busy trying to be Joe Stein So he turns on a mic, maybe twiddles a knob Calls a journalist friend who's got an actual job Auditory, single story, just listen to smart people speak Conversation filled with information, it's the story of the A.J. Jacobs, the nicest man in journalism. Thank you for being on this podcast. Are you kidding? Thank you, Joel. Oh, my God. Of course you would say that. That's very A.J. <laughs> okay. So you've lived according to the rules of the Bible. Now you're going to live according to the rules of the Constitution. Now, what gave you this idea? I had actually had this idea for a long time because I did the book Living by the Rules of the Bible, which was very similar. It was sort of taking literalism to the extreme and showing yeah, you, you that maybe a, it's not. You grew a beard that was incredible looking. You you uh, went to the park, I remember. I love this book. You went to the park and stoned someone. I did. Small stones, though. I didn't actually, you know. Yeah, you wimped out a little bit, but still. <laughs> right. And uh, it says you should not wear clothes of two different kinds of fabrics. That's in Leviticus. So I had to get rid of my poly cotton blends. So I'd always thought that the similar approach could work with the Constitution because it's same debate about originalism following the literal words of the original founders versus this living Constitution, the evolving meaning. And people have a religious kind of feeling about that document. People talk about it in very reverential tones. Absolutely. It's, it's sacred. Sacred. That's the word. Yeah. There are two main ways to interpret the Constitution. There's originalism, where you just stick to what the words on the page mean. Generally, conservatives prefer this kind of just following orders style. Liberals, with their desperate need to embrace the newest trend, prefer a style called pragmatism. That's where you figure out how the idea behind the words can be applied to issues that didn't exist back then. 
For instance, the phrase in the Constitution, which is my favorite, which is the fact that Congress can grant letters of mark and reprisal, which literally means they can pay pirates to fight for them, has been used today to mean that the government can hire hackers to attack cyber criminals. What made you finally decide to do this? Yeah, I never really had the passion to pursue it. And then came this last Supreme Court term, and that scared me. That freaked me out because they really went hard on originalism in a scary way. And they overturned Roe v. Wade, as you know. What? This This is, I'm learning so much on this podcast. It's a news show, too. Oh, my God. That's why. But it also, you know, the gun rights, it also affected the environmental in ways that we can get into. Their originalism is having a huge impact on millions of lives. And I thought, okay, maybe I should. What's the First Amendment you take on in the article? It opens with a scene of me carrying my 1795 musket around New York City, which was a weird experience. Okay, so this is the first thing that you tackle is the Second Amendment which is the right to bear arms. Right. So, yes. And in my view, if you are truly an originalist, then you should follow what the original meaning of bearing arms was in 1791. And so I thought I got to get myself a musket. I could have gotten a fake musket, but I wanted a real musket. Bought it online, antiquefirearms.com in Texas. You know, I said, does this work? And they said, yes, but we strongly recommend you do not use it. And I said, well, why not? And they said, well, it might lead to catastrophic failure. Oh, I said that that doesn't sound good. It just means they explained it blows up in my face. Is it literally 200 years old or it's a replica? No, it's real. It's 1795. Like it was used. Yeah, it was expensive. It was like two thousand dollars. You walk around New York City, and for, for reasons that uh, have to do with your own personal psychology, you put on the full Revolutionary War garb, <laughs> right? Like you've got. I did. I yeah. did. I had the tricorn hat. I had. It was actually a, it was a Hamilton uh, costume that I got online, and it was hilarious to see the reaction. I mean, because I I spent some time in Times Square, Oof. and I was just one of like 200 people who were dressed up. And, <laughs> you know, a Spider-Man came up to me and did like a little fist bump. Oh, nice. And was, yeah, and he was like, arr, matey. And I'm like, I'm not a pirate. I'm a founding father. And he's like, arr, matey. <laughs> but the reaction was, it was very mixed. You know, some people were like, oh, that's, that's amazing. That's so cool. Uh, and then there were people who were like, what the hell? You know, get, what are you doing? It did come in handy because I went into a coffee shop and the guy in front of me in line was like, you go ahead. So it does have its advantages. You carry around a gun and uh, it makes people uncomfortable. Yeah, but it was weird the, the way it affected me. When I was carrying it around, I actually had this like surge of power, like I'm carrying a gun. I'm really, which was like very bizarre and unsettling. Then you took on the First Amendment. I did. But you did it in a way that I'd never thought about before, which is you looked at what free speech meant back in 1789. Right. So I decided I would only follow the First Amendment, my right to free speech, as they did it in 1789. So I bought some parchment. and uh, Did you buy actual parchment? No, it's more yellow. Like yellow. It's not actual... Yeah. Um, pigskin or that's right anything you know like, a lot yeah. about parchment yeah 
it's actual <laughs> skin that's been stretched really thin, right? Right. So that was not. Uh, but I did buy. I did buy a real feather pen and real ink, and I wrote. I wrote my tweets, so I sort of copied my tweets onto the parchment paper, and I handed them out in Times Square. And it was very, you know, I got, again, a mixed reaction. A lot of people avoided eye contact. And so there's a guy in a, in a tricornered hat with a musket right. handing these pieces of paper out to people. I, I would think that most people would avoid you. There was, I would say, 60, 70% avoidance. That's not bad. Well, yeah, I was happy with, you know, there were th the people who responded. A lot of them were tourists who didn't speak English, okay. who thought that they were getting something for free. Yeah, well, they were. They were getting my tweets. Yeah. yeah. But I will say the other part of the First Amendment I found perhaps even more interesting, which was that I read a couple of books about the First Amendment as it was seen then, and it was much more restrictive. Like we had blasphemy laws in some states. There was someone put in jail for blasphemy, I think in the 1820s, maybe even 1830. So for blasphemy in the United States, which is insane. And also they were much more restrictive about criticizing the government. So you then said, well, you can't just say whatever you want. Clearly in 1789, the First Amendment didn't give us the right to say whatever we wanted. So then you imposed those rules on your own family. I did. I told my kids they could not say, you know, uh, a blaspheme. Uh, they, they couldn't say goddamn. And I also went on Twitter. I started a Twitter account as called Original Dude 1789. And I would scold people who were oh. making seditious comments on both sides. So someone who was saying, you know, Biden is a traitor. I would say under the original meaning of the First Amendment, this is seditious. Please remove. And what would people say in return? They either, uh, either ignored me or I got one um, LFMAO, uh, whatever dude, was the, was the response. Oh. They did not take me seriously, which is a shame. And then to punish your child for blaspheming, you bought a pillory. Right. A pillory is that wooden uh, contraption where you put your arms in and you put your head in and you're locked in and people will throw things at you or uh, tickle if you read the history of pillaring. Is that right? Like, yeah, tickling was part of the uh, <laughs> the punishment. It's is, like a double fetish. Uh, wow. <laughs> it really is great. Well, that's the thing. When I Googled, like, I want to buy a pillory, I found a lot of websites that, as I say in the article, would not have passed the obscenity laws of the <laughs> 1780s. Uh, but there, I was able to find one. Well, but if you had bought, if you had gone to like an S&M site and bought a pillory, they're also not cheap, I assume. No, no, it's true. They were a few hundred and I, I didn't have oh, the budget. Okay. Uh, and I did learn a lot about the difference between stocks and pillory, I think. Oh, what is the difference? I think stocks, the legs have holes for legs as well. Oh. But they had all sorts of horrible punishment. I mean, it goes along. So if you want to save money, you pillory instead of stock. Right. It is a more <laughs> efficient way if you don't have the wood. So the pillory thing is also the Eighth, the eighth Amendment says there, that there can't be any cruel and unusual punishment. Right. Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. So the Eighth Amendment says you cannot commit cruel and unusual punishment. Right. The things were cruel and unusual. I mean, Death penalty, no big deal. Pillorying stocks, no big deal. 
tickling people, apparently, no big deal. <laughs> exactly. And that is used by originalists because at the time of the signing of those amendments, the death penalty was perfectly fine. What was the hardest or like the most uncomfortable amendment to follow? Well, the awkward ones were that, and there was another awkward one because, of course, the people who wrote the Constitution were incredibly sexist. So I had to deal with sexism, and that was that made me sweat. And Scalia w argued this. Antonin Scalia said that the 14th Amendment, which guarantees equal protection, does not apply to gender. It was it applied to black people getting well, that, the vote. Well, that's written before women get the vote. So right, it's it, before women get yeah. the vote, but. But it also doesn't apply to their careers. So women, at the time, there were a lot of laws. Women could not sign contracts in some states. There were a lot of careers they couldn't do. Women in Michigan, I remember, they couldn't be bartenders unless their husband was a bartender. You know, I figured that I should at least try to live by this. The one that made me sweat was that Many states would not allow women to be lawyers, and the lawyer who does my books is a woman, so I wrote her a note, like, you know, nothing personal, but during this experiment, I cannot deal with you on legal matters, but I'll deal with any male uh, colleagues of yours. And I felt like such a dick sending it, and then she didn't respond for like two days, and I was like, oh, damn it, like, did this really, was this a horrible thing to do? And then, like, she's like, oh, that was funny, I got it. So, but for those two days, it was, it was really unpleasant. Did that give you empathy for Mike Pence, who has to send out that email, like, five <laughs> times a day? <laughs> I, have, I have a lot of trouble having empathy for Mike. Well, then, of course, he saved our country, so, you know. Kind, you, kind of, I don't know. So anyway, yes. So if you if you take a true originalist interpretation, then then um, interracial marriage is is not guaranteed. And my sister is married mm -hmm. to a man who is um, part indigenous and part Latino from Peru. So I called her, and it was one of the most awkward conversations. Of How my do you life. start that one? Well, I said. She's always supportive of my writing career. So I kind of pitched it that way. Like, I, I know I'm, you. I always start with, I'm working on an article. Right. I didn't okay, say yeah. like, I didn't say like, I disapprove of your marriage. <laughs> I was like, for this article to prove my point, I think that your marriage would not be legal in many states. And then I paused and there was awkward silence. And she said, well, I don't know what to tell you. I'll give you back the wine glasses that you gave me for my wedding. How's that? And I was like, that sounds good. And, and she's like, all right, I'll send it. And she's, then she's like, why am I sending them? Like, if you want to do this horrible thing, you pick them up. And I never did pick them up. Is there anything in the original Constitution that says that when your sister gets married, you have to buy them a nice gift and not just wine glasses? <laughs> they were nice wine glasses. Jeez, it's your sister. Don't be like AJ. Buy something nice for your sister's wedding. Perhaps something you're about to hear about from our sponsors. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. 
No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Living according to the Constitution isn't easy. And not just because it requires reading the thing. It's because unlike the Bible, the Constitution isn't a set of rules for what Americans can do. There's no, thou shalt play football despite concussions. The Constitution is a set of rules for what the government should do. After the obvious rules that do directly affect people, free speech and guns, AJ had to dig a lot deeper. He found Section 8, Clause 18, which says that only Congress can make laws, which, if read literally, could change a lot of how we do things. So when the EPA or the FDA makes regulations, they argue these are actually laws and this is not good. So in a totally originalist world, the FDA and EPA would have practically no power. Yeah. So I thought if I were going to live in this world, I could not trust what came out of my tap because there, there would be no clean water legislation. So I, uh, I got water out of the pond at Central Park and I like used a life straw. Uh, yeah, I didn't use a life straw, okay. but uh, but similar, same idea. Yeah, so you I used, filtered like, the water pure, from the the pond at Central Park, which was crazy. Like it is literally like fluorescent green because there are algal <laughs> blooms in there. So I literally had like half a sip, and I was still up all night worrying that I had poisoned oh my myself. God. <laughs> uh, but I felt I had to. You decided to live by the Third Amendment, which is so short. I'm just going to read the whole thing. No soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. It, it just basically meant soldiers can't come and demand to live in your house. So I thought I wanted to ex experience that by offering to quarter troops in my apartment in New York, but wow. only if I gave consent. Like I would have to have an interview and see if they were cool and then give the consent. So I put uh, several ads on Craigslist saying, free apartment, you know, free room in the uh, Upper West Side apartment if you're in the military. And I thought I might be flooded. I was, uh, totally. but I don't know, I might've been on the wrong part of Craigslist. I only got one response was from an architecture student from South America who was uh, not in an army as far as I could tell. Oh. So she did not get quartered. There's actually, someone showed me, there is a, um, I think it's a TikTok channel or something, which is obsessed with the Third Amendment, the quartering of troops. It's sort of, I think it's a parody of Second Amendment obsessives. Oh. So they're all like, they like to like offer uh, quarters and then be like, oh, you want to stay in my house? No, you can't stay in <laughs> my house. And that's the whole shtick. I feel like there's a similar thing with the Bible and the Constitution where people will fight for the death and argue about it, but haven't actually read it. Yeah, I agree. First of all, it's not very long, so people should read it. And much like the Bible, the Constitution, people quote it kind of the same way. Like it's Article 6, Section 2. Like it, it has those kind of, of the colon. Like it just feels right. biblical to me the way people use it. 
Well, what I realized studying this too is how contingent the Constitution was. Like it is not etched in stone. It could have gone a thousand different ways depending on who happened to be drunk that day and had a hangover and missed the convention. And so thinking that this is so sacred and it's the right. only way it could have been and that yeah. we, we can't change it. And there is an argument a lot of people on the left make, which I kind of buy, is that the, that the founding fathers would not have been originalists. They would have changed the Constitution and, and they did change the Constitution. So let's not treat it with quite such kid gloves. Actually, this, this is a tweet that I like that I think sums up my philosophy. It said, um, Governor Morris, who wrote a lot of, like he did the final draft. He's known as the penman of the Constitution. Governor Morris died of an infection after inserting a whale bone into his penis. I think we can edit the document. That was the tweet. Meaning... These people were not uh, sophisticated in all areas. And I looked it up. He did. He had a urinary tract infection and he thought he would cure it by inserting uh, a whale bone right in there. And, that story uh, sounds like bullshit. That sounds clear to me that he, right, couldn't, get hold it, on. he couldn't get it up. And he made up this urinary oh, tract I infection see. story because a see. whale okay. bone is a very specific <laughs> thing. Right? It does seem weird that he It's not cranberry juice. It's a whale bone. <laughs> it's like the biggest animal ever to live on the earth. Their bone in your penis. I'm not going to speculate about it. I'm speculating him. right here. But yeah, please go ahead. All I know is uh, I think that was a very good way to say, you know, this was 1789. Well, that's what you proved. People are living under very different circumstances and picturing right. a very different world when they're writing this thing. And so... We have to do a little bit of interpretation to bring people up to where we are now. And that, that's very contentious, obviously. Right. Well, one of the historians I read, so I think he used the phrase that, you know, it was a foreign country in 1789. Yeah. The past is a foreign country. Yeah. And it, it is shocking just how different it was. Well, AJ, it is always a pleasure to talk to you and a pleasure to read your stories. This was so fun. And I hope you do turn this into a book. Thanks, Joel. If AJ had come to me for advice, which he should have as a member of the Stunt Journalist Association, I would have told him to focus on the First Amendment. Not the parts of the First Amendment that everyone knows, like freedom of speech and religion. The First Amendment's only 45 words long, but the final nine words give Americans this awesome right. And it's the right to, quote, petition the government for a redress of grievances. They don't say that you have to have grievances with the government. You can petition the government about any grievance. And I have a lot of grievances I want addressed. First of all, the metaverse. It's just not gonna happen. Stop bothering me about it. Second, I get way too many texts. The government should be able to stop people from sending me the first stupid thought that enters their heads. Oh, also, the producer of this podcast cuts a lot of my jokes. Like last week, I had one about the Holocaust. And as a Jew, I think I have the right to make a Holocaust joke. Especially if At the end of the show, what's next for Joel Stein? Maybe he'll take a nap or poke around online. Our show today was produced by Kate McAuliffe and Nisha Venkut. It was edited by Robert Smith. Our engineer is Amanda K. Wang. And our executive producer is Catherine Girardot. 
And our theme song was written and performed by Jonathan Colton. And a special thanks to my voice coach, Vicki Merrick, and my consulting producer, Lauren Zelaznik. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Joel Stein, and this is Story of the Week. I write a column for Mental Floss called The Bad Old Days, and it's all about how horrible the the past was, how, how like sexist and violent and, and smelly smelly that's exactly right it is disgusting smells. the past stank. every time i see a movie and someone gets a time machine and they start turning the dial to the past i just want to grab their hand and push it the other way that would be interesting if they like got out of the time machine and, and their first remark would oh. probably be oh my god oh my reeks i'm gonna yeah. vomit yeah that would be more realistic